music is such an important part of my daily walk. You know, I, I read something a long time ago that said for, for kids that the number one influence in her, influencer in their life is music. So I just want the same in my life. I want to be pouring God's Word, and that's really what worship music is. It's God's Word to a song. You know, we heard this song when we were at the Children's Hunger Fern event this past uh, weekend, and uh, it just really touched me. There's something about these words that I, I want to be the hands and feet of Christ. You know, just uh, just powerful lyrics in there. Children's Hunger Fund's all about um, being the hands and feet of Christ, about meeting needs, physical needs, about meeting spiritual needs. If you think about it, that's really what we're all about, right? As Christians, that's what we're supposed to be about. We're studying the book of Acts. It's what the disciples were all about. In fact, Jesus' last commands, right, was, was go, be my witness, serve, lead, help, meet needs, imitate me. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the Philippians church, he was trying to encourage them to go serve, and he says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort in love, 
there's any participation in the Spirit, if you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you, then please, he says, do me a favor. Complete my joy. Complete my joy by, by what? Having the same mind, the same mind, he says, of Christ. The same love of Christ. Be unified. Then he goes on to say, don't do anything in selfishness or in conceit, but in humility, put others before yourself. Man, what a launching pad for serving others and meeting needs. We're going to talk about it tonight. We're going to talk about it in Acts 3 about, about meeting needs, about meeting the needs both physical and spiritual. What we're all about as Christians, meeting needs. But before that, I want Spencer to, to sing this again. I want us to sing it. I want us to make it like our anthem. I want to be the hands and feet of Christ. Every word that comes out of my mouth, I want to make Him known. Right here am I. Send me. I come back with this crazy idea and he's got to learn a song in a week and sing it. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, Acts chapter 3. You know, I miss it when I'm not here, but I really enjoy the time that I get to spend just, you know, when I'm preparing for a lesson, I'm sure as Anthony would tell you and Stuart, just sometimes just allowing God's, God's word just to kind of just to sink into your soul, you know, and you get the time to really just read it over and over again and just asking God to speak to you. It really is a, it's just a special time. You get so much out of just the preparation and getting ready to be up here. And I've said it before, my, my goal every time I stand up here is to somehow convey to you what God has conveyed to me. And uh, I hope I do that without messing it up in the process. So Acts, uh, Chapter 3, this is another great story uh, in the book of Acts. This story is about the lame beggar, and you're going to be very familiar with this, uh, the one that sat by the, 
the gate of the temple and was begging for, for uh, money or for goods. Uh, so this is an incredible miracle and a wonderful story of the power of God. So let's, let's dig right in, starting in verse 1 of chapter 3. It says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and that's a, about 3 o'clock. That ninth hour is 3 o'clock, and of course they're, they're Jews, so they're just doing what Jews do, right? They're going to the temple for their time of prayer, and just coincidentally, this ninth hour, it's the same time that Jesus on the cross was crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then uh, it says, a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate. This would be a place where everybody was going by, so a crowded place where most people that would go in and out of the temple uh, for their time of prayer. And he's sitting there, it says, to ask for alms, for, for money or for goods of those entering the temple. Uh, now, probably, as I said, Peter and John, they've probably walked by this a bunch of times uh, this is something that they've done regularly, probably for most all of their life. But for some reason today, we see that they stop. Uh, we see that here in verse 3, it says, Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, the, the lame beggar did. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who had sat there at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement. I mean, isn't that a great way to describe uh, the presence of God? They were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. And then next, we're going to see a pretty special moment where all these people that have been gathered around that, that witnessed this miracle, Peter's going to get the opportunity here to share the gospel with them. He's going to get the opportunity to... Tell them about Jesus. And it starts there in verse 11. As I read through verse 16, just see the gospel come off of these pages. You know, I've said often that in everything in the Bible can point back to Christ. And you have a gospel message in just about everything from beginning to end. But here, it's really expressed uh, in the words that Peter speaks. So it says, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them. Uh, in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witness, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus Christ has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. See the gospel that he's delivering there? He says first that you killed him. Jesus died. 
Like they didn't remember that they crucified him. He said, Jesus died, God raised him from the death, and it is by faith that you've been healed. Just a simple gospel presentation that hasn't changed for over 2,000 years. And then in this next part of this, we're going to see that, that he does what also anyone trying to bring someone to Christ would do. He tries to find some common ground, and he tries to make it personal. He's laid out what the gospel message is about. Christ died, he raised to life, and by faith in him and him alone, you can be healed. But now he's going to make it personal for these uh, Jewish people that had gathered around him. Finding this common ground, you'll see he's going to talk about the prophets, <clears throat> somebody they're very familiar with, Moses, Samuel, Abraham. He says, and now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance. I know you made a mistake. He's, he's showing them his own form of grace as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Boy, I just love that verse for some reason, that times of refreshing. Doesn't that just sound great? Everybody needs some refreshing. The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all of the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days, You are the sons of the prophet and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Isn't it? This is a great, like, um, a great way to, to. describe sharing the gospel with someone. It's like a good foot, a road map, if you will. He tells them what the gospel is all about. He builds a bridge, finds some common ground, and then he makes it personal, right? He came for you. He died. He was raised from the grave, and by faith, you can be healed, and it's personal for you. I mean, what a great lesson for us. I mean, I just... I love this. You know, when you're reading through this, it's so fast you could read over this, but it's just such a great reminder of how we're supposed to share our faith. Jared was talking about it tonight. This, you could read this over and over again and just learn from it. He built a common ground, a bridge. He said, this is about you. He made it very personal to them. That's what this was all about. And then he says, listen, repent. Turn away from your sin. Turn to God. And the beautiful thing about this is that they did. And how do I know that? Because if you went down, it's not part of our text necessarily tonight, but if you looked in Acts chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. You remember at Pentecost, we saw that it was 3,000. So out of this little gospel presentation, 2,000 people came to know Christ. And remember... Jerusalem at this time, this is not a, a, a big place. I mean, the population at this time was probably about 40,000 people. So you have 5% of the entire population came to Christ because of this gospel presentation. And what I really love about it is, 
when I think through this, what I really love is that it all started, these 2,000 people, this 5%, all of this started by an act of service. All of this started by meeting a need. All of this started because Peter and John stopped to meet a need. I mean, they could have walked on by, right? They'd walked on by many times. I guarantee you they had seen this lame beggar before. Because we know, if you look further over into Acts chapter 4, that he was about 40 years old. And he had been there for a long time. And they had walked by many, many times. But this time, they stopped. This time, they stopped. They could have just walked on by. And that one act of meeting this need, of meeting a physical need, meeting a spiritual need, changed the whole city. You know, I was thinking about examples of this. You know, just an act of service, an act of meeting a need and how it impacts cities and, and populations. And one of, I came up with several, but one of them was told to us, and I'd never heard this. I've been to a lot of Children's Hunger Fund events, and I'd never heard this specific story that Dave Phillips, the founder, told of, of an orphanage, if you will, over in Thailand that was for children that had been trafficked. And he started going over there many, many, many years ago and just giving them food and praying with them and ministering to them. And he said this last time that he went back, you know, now he's been there so long that all these young boys and girls, they call him dad. And for the first time this time, they brought him in to their prayer time. And they sat him and his wife Lynn down and they all came around putting their hands on him. And they were praying for him, praying for wisdom, that, that God would give him the ability and the gifting to, to help more children like them. I mean, think of the power of that, that one act, going over there, meeting a physical need, telling them about Christ. You've, you've turned a, a culture of despair into a culture of prayer, just by one person, one act, one one sacrifice. I also was thinking about St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas was a pastor uh, born about 300 years after Jesus in Turkey. And I was reading uh, the other day where they have possibly found some of his remains. That's what made me start thinking about this. But he was best known for his ministry to the poor and to the underprivileged, especially those that are mentally challenged. It says that he often visited children at night disguised in a red and white hooded robe, leaving gifts of money, clothing, or food at their windows or fireplaces. Old St. Nick. An act of kindness still changing the world today, right? Or even this morning, in the Dallas Morning News, I saw this article about a family. Uh, you can see them circled in prayer. I don't know how many people may have seen this article, but um, they had lost their house to uh, a scam artist. Someone had tricked them out of their house, and a private donor that remains anonymous came in and bought the house and gave it to them. And what really just kind of blew me away was just everything about it was, we thank God. God brought this to us. And what's even really more impressive is that our Dallas district attorney is the person you see right there leading this prayer. And they're praying, and in that prayer... She says that a Dallas DA says, we pray blessings on this donor 
that God would bless him a hundredfold for what he has done for this family. Just what a beautiful picture of one act. One act that no telling what this is going to do. Shining that light. That's what I love about that sign, that song. Shining the light into the darkest place. Being the hands and feet of Jesus. And you know what? I hope we never run out of these kinds of stories. Because we're never going to run out of need. We're never going to run out of need. You know, it, when I was really kind of praying through this chapter, I kept really asking myself, because I could not find any commentaries that would address this, of, you know, why do we not get the name of this, this beggar? We're not given his name. So I just kind of was wondering, you know, why is this? Why, why, don't, why don't we know? Why don't they personalize this and tell us who this person is? And I started thinking, you know, it probably is because this one lame beggar is just a single representation of an entire world in need. Of just an entire world in need. I mean, you, you don't have to look around too hard to recognize that we live in a broken world. And to a great degree, we live in a world that, that maybe reacts in a lot of different ways, but they're really just crying out for help. Just crying out for help. Help, my marriage is broken. Help, I'm losing my job. You know, help, I'm, I'm addicted. Help, you know, I'm sad. I'm depressed. I'm burdened. Crying out for help. You know, I saw uh, recently, too, one of the California universities and all of their incoming freshmen now, they treat them basically for anxiety. One of the greatest problems of our young generation is anxiety. They're afraid. They're scared to death. There's fear all around them, crying out in need, crying out, wanting someone to reach out and help them. And that's, that's where we should come in as Christians, right? That's what that song is about. We're going to be the hands and feet of Christ. We're going to shine a light in the darkest place. We're going to help. We're going to serve all of it in the name of Jesus. But if we're going to be successful, okay, I think that there's three things that we can learn from this passage tonight that would help us if we want to go out and serve, meet needs, make a difference, let God use us the way he used Peter and John tonight. And I put a handout on your table that you can fill in some of these blanks. But I think there's three things that we can learn. The first thing. We've got to open our eyes. We have to open our eyes. It says there that Peter and John, they directed, or Peter directed his gaze at him. Uh, if you looked in the New Living Translation, it says, they looked at him intently, or the King James fastened his eyes upon him. Remember when we talked about in chapter 9 of John, I taught on uh, Jesus healing the blind man, and he says he saw him. It's very similar here. Again, they've walked by many times, but this time, they really saw him. They really, really noticed him. Their eyes locked together. I mean, like they could have been walking by any day, and who knows why they didn't stop, why they didn't. They may have even given him money, but today they stopped. And, you know, I find it interesting that when is the time that they stopped? It's, it's when they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? They just got a feeling of the Holy Spirit. And that's what you do when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You see needs and you react to those needs. But honestly, I'm afraid that even in my own life, that too often we're just walking by. I mean, too often, I mean, it just kind of blends in, doesn't it? 
There's just so much need. I mean, sometimes it just seems overwhelming. And you just kind of want to throw up your hands and say, I don't think I can make a difference. Because it's just a small drop in the ocean. Because there's so many hurting and broken people. Or maybe we just don't feel like we have time. We don't have the stretch in our, in our schedule. We don't have the capacity. You know, we've, we've lived our life so that we think we can just give without a sacrifice. Well, serving is about sacrifice. You know, maybe, maybe we're afraid of, of what it might lead to. I think sometimes that's the case. Maybe we're afraid of where this may take us. I mean, I love the fact that here it said in, over there, remember where it says in verse 11, it says that he clung to Peter? I mean, first of all, he's got to be overwhelmed with joy, but I read that word clung as, as being relationship. Okay, he just didn't meet a need and walk off. He's got a relationship now. Maybe sometimes we just don't want that burden. You know, I, I wonder all the time why we don't find more people that are willing to be disciple makers. And maybe they just don't think it's worth it. Maybe it's just not worth their time. They're too busy. I don't know the answer, but I really feel that as Christians, too often we just walk on by. We don't stop. We don't look. I mean, I hear a lot of, uh, of, of talk about it. I certainly hear a lot of opinions from Christians and non-Christians. And I started thinking that, you know, what if every time we made a comment about something, or we said something, had an opinion about something, what if for every time we had to share the gospel with someone? Can you imagine? My goodness, we'd be sharing everywhere. Looked at uh, a friend of mine, Kyle Pearson, at East West Ministries. He had sent out a ministry report recently, and in there he said, if every believer in DFW shared the gospel once a week with a person separated from Jesus, in one year... Each of the 5.5 million who are without the Savior would hear the gospel 14 times. Think about that. If we just share once a week, once a week. But too often, I think we're just walking on by. We've got to open our eyes to what's around us. We've got to stop walking by. And when we do, when we stop, next we've got to act. And that's my number two. I'll give you a good place to start. Extend a hand. Extend a hand. What did, what did Peter do? He says he took him by the right hand and raised him up. I love this. I love this visual. How much you can accomplish just by shaking a hand, just by extending a hand. Think about that. I mean, think about what you, what, what you communicate just by extending your hand to someone. Respect and honor, compassion. What are you doing? You're building a bridge. Finding something in common. You know the great thing about extending a hand for a handshake? If, you're, if you like the bro hug, it always leads to a hug. It leads to a hug, doesn't it? It's extending that hand. One small thing. One small thing to reach down and help someone change this man's life. It says he leaped and praised God. He was running around shouting what God had done for him. And you know, I wonder, I wish I knew what happened to him, don't you? I mean, I know my daughter, Grace, she always loves those Hallmark movies when at the end they give you the update one year. You know, it drives her crazy whenever they don't tell you what's going to happen. She wants to find out if they got married and all that stuff. I'd like to know what happened to the lame beggar, really. I mean, did he become a missionary? 
You know, did he join the church? Did he become a preacher? How many people did he lead to Christ? We know that he was there when 2,000 came to know Jesus. I just wonder what happened to him. What resulted from, from this one simple act of obedience and meeting a need? You know, that's one of the things I love about God. It's just you never know, do you? You just never know what's going to happen when you step out in faith and you help someone, you serve someone, you meet a need. You just never know where that's going to take that person and what they're going to do and what they're going to accomplish and the lives it's going to change. You just never know what's going to come from that. And the third thing, we've got to open our eyes. We've got to extend a hand. And as my good friend Chuck Anderson always says, we've got to give them Jesus. You've got to give them Jesus. Peter says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give you. Now, when you read this to start with, it's pretty easy to read it and think, well, Peter didn't have anything to give. But that's really not true, is it? Peter had the gift of healing. I mean, we all have gifts. God has blessed us all with different types of gifts. Some have silver and gold. Some have the gift of giving. Some have the gift of hospitality. We see that modeled in this class every week. Some have the gift of missions. We also see that modeled in this class every week. We're all given gifts. Peter had a gift here to give. He used his gift that God had given him. So should we. In everything we do, whatever God has gifted you to do, you need to use it to serve people, to help people, to meet needs, to be the hands and feet of Christ. But what can happen is, is it can't stop there, right? Because you can meet needs, you can help people all you want, you can serve people all you want, but if it doesn't include Jesus, it doesn't matter. If it doesn't include Jesus, it doesn't matter. It's one of the reasons that, that I support Children's Hunger Fund. It's one of the reasons that I support that ministry because they're so much more than just giving a meal, now, they're going to serve 55 million meals this year to people around the world, about half of that in the United States. But every meal they serve is just a gateway to share the gospel. Because without Jesus, it doesn't matter. I mean, you may save them for a moment, but for eternity, they're lost. But on the other hand, if you give it all you got... If you use your gifts to the best of your ability, if you leave it all on the table, if you put it all out there, do everything you can within your power, and you also give them Jesus, anything is possible. We saw it here. We sang the song tonight that the demons will flee in the name of Jesus. That name above all names, that's where the power's at. But when you combine the two, act of service, of love, and you extend that hand to someone that's broken and show them how much you care, and you do that in the name of Jesus, anything's possible is what the Bible tells us. Anything is possible. In fact, Paul, whenever he was writing to those Philippians and he was encouraging them to serve, he goes on into that same chapter, chapter 2, and he says, he talks about how Jesus left heaven and wrapped himself in flesh and uh, humbled himself in obedience to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then it says that God, what, exalted him on high and gave him a name above every name, a name 
at which every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and even what? Under earth. Even the demons will bow the name of Jesus, and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. It's that name that holds the power. Combined with our act of service, the gifting that God gives us, done for the, reasons, for the right reasons in the name of Jesus, anything is possible. I just think about what could happen. You know, you saw here one act, Peter, using the gift God had given him in the name of Jesus, and this one man's life changed forever in a moment, and an entire community changed. I talk about it often, but, man, every page of this Bible seems to be filled with someone acting in obedience for God in the name of Christ and just things that you could never, ever explain take place. I mean, here, just a normal day. I mean, there wasn't, he wasn't going there to do this. Peter and John, they were just going about their normal business. This is what they did. It's 3 o'clock. We're going to go to the temple and pray. But on the way, they saw. They saw a need. Reached down, extended a hand in the name of Jesus, and changed a life forever. So that's our challenge. Send me out, God. I can tell you, my own life, I just want to be his hands and feet. Every word that comes out of my mouth, I want it to glorify and honor him. Every day I want to find a new way to serve him. I just want to shine a light into the darkness because I just see it all around. It just burdens me to just think about the people that suffer. You know, if anything, I get overwhelmed by it. But I take encouragement from this. You don't have to solve everything. Just do your part. Open your eyes. See that need. Don't be afraid to extend a hand and get involved. Man, you just never know what God's going to do, and I guarantee he's going to bless you as much as he blesses them. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this class, God. Thank you for this night, for this opportunity to be together. God, I pray now as we leave, Lord, that, God, you just use us. God, I pray that for each of us, our prayer would just be to be the hands and feet of Christ. Here am I. Send me, God. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, use me in the gifts that you have given me to meet needs in the name of Jesus. I pray that's our prayer. And God, I pray that you would honor that prayer, that you would equip us, that you would bless us, and that, Lord, in all that we do, your name would be glorified and people lost all over this world, hurting in despair, would come to know the only name that can ever save them for all of eternity, and that's the name of Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.